0: Hello, this is David Thompson from the Fraser Valley in British Columbia. With a message for those that are hungry and thirsty for reality, it's only reality that can satisfy the inner core of your being. We are living in a time when many people are not facing reality and are living things out and believing and choosing to believe in things that are a lie. But those things will never bring you anything but misery in the long run. This message is for those that are willing to pass through the filter of delusion, to become a lasting part of the body. We know a large portion of the food that we eat goes out as waste, but a small portion of that food goes through the filtering system to become a lasting part of the body. I want to share with you that I have a website at ultimatemeaning.com where I have a flipbook. So for those of you that are new, I want you to know that in that flipbook, I've written what is very original thought by the gifting of the Spirit of God. And it is filled with print that is highlighted in red, which are links to YouTube videos that highly confirm from many fields of science and archaeology the reality of what I am sharing here, which is the very reason for which you exist and all things exist. There is ultimate meaning and purpose for your life, that it can be an everlasting, ever-enlarging fulfillment beyond your wildest comprehension. And it is found in the ultimate manifestation and perfection of love. And I want to describe this briefly because it is the very governance of the universe and the very source from which all has come forth. I am talking about a love that has the quality that always chooses the highest lasting good over any lesser choice. Any lesser choice, as such, would obviously have a measure of corruption. This love has such integrity and purity that it is a blazing fire of judgment against all that is contrary to this love that always chooses the highest lasting good. It is the opposite of corruption. It is the antithesis of corruption. It is the holiness of the one true eternal God or the defensive aspect of this love which is represented in the negative symbol in nature, such as in mathematics and electricity, which what does that represent? It represents an indestructible foundation, and it represents cutting off all corruption. There cannot be the assurance of a destiny without corruption unless there is such an integrous, pure love. The judge is all that is contrary to love. What is amazing about this love is that it is so great and ultimate in its perfection that the one true eternal God who is love could actually take judgment upon himself and suffer more than you, a mere creature, and humble himself more than you, a mere creature, so that you could choose to be forgiven and reconciled to God. This quality of love, who is the one true eternal God, always was in the one true eternal God. It was manifested also in this time and space realm in Jesus Christ, who is the full manifestation of God to this world. Yes, Jesus Christ is fully God, manifest in human body to man and his death was foretold in detail 700 and way over 700 years ago many details of his were prophesied and all of that was fulfilled when he died on the cross and rose again and was seen by 500 witnesses at one time yes there's even four lawyers that attempted to try to disprove the resurrection by writing a book against it and in the process were so amazed at the evidence for the resurrection of Christ from the dead that they were converted in the process Four lawyers. You can find out who they are in my book at uh, ultimatemeaning.com, my flipbook book there. And I want to share with those that have received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, that have really come to not just believe with their intellect, but with their whole life, with their heart in this one true eternal God, who have cried out and said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner, because they've really seen their undoneness before a God of such pure love that will not tolerate sin against his love. Yes, we can be reconciled and walk in his love in this world below and bring heaven into this world where so many in their heart have a hell contagious state of being with no hope. Now what I do is I give messages to the churches around the world and I seek to speak prophetically. It says in 1 Peter 4.11, If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. When we as believers gather together, we are to seek to speak as the oracles of God. There's another verse that explains this in more detail, Revelations 19.10, which says, Worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. When we worship God out of the genuine fear of God in spirit and in truth and true humility and genuine love for God, we are filled with the Spirit of God and an overflow beyond ourselves that can result in creative utterances coming through us from the Spirit of God. How does that happen? It says in that verse, Revelation 19.10, Worship God. For it is out of this worship that comes the spirit of prophecy. Not in the sense of foretelling the future just, but in the sense of allowing the Spirit of God to speak out of us. And that's what we are to seek to do all as believers. How little that is practiced. And so one of the things I do to facilitate this is I cast lots to get the possibility of any chapter in the Bible. And I cast lots with two different random applications to get two chapters that would bear witness with each other as to the theme that God is wanting to say to the churches to facilitate speaking prophetically and of course i will seek to speak out of a heart set and a mindset of worship all i do is spend a half an hour meditating on those chapters and then i speak sometimes there's other things that happen in between but many times that's the case no preparation i don't know what i'm going to be sharing sometimes i don't even see what the theme is at first but it's revealed as i'm speaking sometimes And so I want to share with you what I received today. But before I do, I also choose a song for us to worship with. And so we're going to go with that song right now that I chose. So we'll just bring that up for a moment here. And we'll sing that song. Here we go. Wonderful. What I received is going to involve not only today but yesterday because as some of you may have heard from my previous message my mom recently went into the glorious presence of Jesus Christ and of God the Father in heaven on June the 28th at 9.30 in the morning. And so because of that, there's been a certain amount of involvement and preparation and so on for the time of memorializing her and her burial, but she's already very much alive and, as it were, risen from the dead, because when you come out of your physical body, it's a lot more wonderful body than the physical body, believe it or not. I mean, I'm writing a book on the evidence of life after death, and I've, done in-depth research on this, and I can say that (laughs) it's so much more real than this dimension. It's so much greater that there's no comparison, but I don't have time to get sidetracked from the message. And so today I want to share with you also what I received on Thursday. I received Daniel 11 and 2 Timothy 4. And those two chapters are about fighting against wickedness and allowing the endurance of the trials that may be involved in that battle against wickedness to purify us. And that's from Daniel chapter 11 and 2 Timothy 4. And then I'll just briefly mention what I received today. Um, Here. Um, hmm. Okay, June the 30th. I somehow didn't copy June the 31st down from my other one. I'll just go grab it now. Just a quick uh, unforeseen mistake there. Not a problem. We'll just add it on right now. Very quickly I can do that. So I shall do that. One sec here. Okay. Um, So what I received on June the 31st was which is today, Friday, of 2022, is 2 Kings chapter 9 in Jeremiah 11. The theme here is that it's the time of God's vengeance upon the corrupt leadership. And I received uh, 2 Kings 9, which is about Jehu being anointed by one of the sons of the prophets uh, through Elijah to bring God's vengeance upon Ahab and Jezebel. And so that is what that account is about, basically. And then you have Jeremiah 11, which is also of the same theme. And I'll read some of this to you here. But O Lord of hosts, that judgest righteously, this is in verse twenty of Jeremiah eleven, that triest the reins and the heart. Let me see thy vengeance on them, for unto thee have I revealed my cause. Therefore thus saith the Lord, which is in the Hebrew Yahweh, of the men, of the men of Anathoth, that seek thy life, saying, Prophesy not in the name of Yahweh that thou die not by her hand. Therefore thus saith Yahweh of hosts, Behold, I will punish them. The young men shall die by the sword. Their sons and their daughters shall die by famine. And there shall be no remnant of them, for I will bring evil upon the men of Anathoth, even the year of their visitation. And in Jeremiah there's a lot more here and I need to point out earlier. We go back to verse 3. That was, I started verse 20 there, but back in verse 3 it says this And say thou unto them, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Cursed be the man that obeyeth not the words of this covenant, which I commanded your fathers in the day that I brought them forth out of the land of Egypt from the iron furnace, saying, Obey my voice and do them according to all which I command you. So shall ye be my people, and I will be your God. And then we read in verse 5, which is just a continuation of this, that I may perform the oath which I have sworn unto your fathers to give them a land flowing with milk and honey as it is this day. Then answered I and said, So be it, O Yahweh. Or in English, O Lord. God is calling his people back to their first love. You can never know a true obedience to God without first entering into a genuine love and delight for Yahweh. And remember that these commandments were always given in the context of God commanding Israel to love him with all their beings' ransom power, with all that was in them to love God, to delight in God. And really, obedience comes out of our perception and reciprocation of who God is. And what causes us not to enter into that is the tendency for us to hide in our own insular world. So that our heart becomes kind of like Adam and Eve hiding from the voice of God. Where art thou? Where art thou? Eve lost the fear of God when she perceived God as less than trustworthy. What I described to you of God at the beginning of this message, of the two aspects of the perfection of his love, I didn't continue to explain the, the ultimate aspect, which is in the positive symbol that is formed out of the negative symbol in math and electricity which is the symbol of the cross is that God can cross out our sins because he became a perfect atoning substitutionary sacrifice in Jesus Christ and it was always there in him because it says that Christ was slain before the foundation of the world or before the world was created This had already been a reality in God. It's just who God is. It always was. And remember, God is way beyond time and space. This love that I'm describing in its two ultimate aspects, the integrity of love and the mercy of love, there is no love that can be imagined that is greater than that the Creator could come down to this world in the perfection of His being, be tempted just as we are as a human being, and yet, because of his union with the Father, live a perfect life, and then take judgment upon himself in the most humiliating and cruel and terrible way, so that we could choose to be reconciled to God. There's no love that can be imagined that is greater than such a love, or that could exist that is greater than this love, which is who God is. This is the only quality that is an ultimate trustworthiness. Remember, Eve lost the perception that God was ultimately trustworthy. And that means she lost the genuine fear of God because the genuine fear of God is a turning from the heart that aligns with the conscience that innately knows that evil must be judged or corruption, that what is good might continue and aligns with good acknowledging the need for judgment in order for good to prevail. And the genuine fear of God aligns with that in the turning of the heart, in the acknowledgement that God's severity upon sin is just. Instead of seeing all the suffering in a state of focus that results in unbelief, Why, God, would you allow this and this and all this suffering in my life instead of seeing that it is allowed because of the corruption that he must deal with? Therefore, this love is good because it will not tolerate what is against goodness, which is corruption. And so, to love God means to reciprocate the reality of who God could only be, which is this perfection of love that has the power to forgive without violating the integrity of his love that requires judgment and all corruption. Yes, he could take sin and corruption upon himself, and he did in Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit moved on Mary, and that blood was not the blood of an ordinary person, but was from heaven, was from God. God's blood was shed on the cross so that you could be cleansed and made white as snow and reconciled to God. And people acknowledged who God was, that he was this ultimate trustworthiness from the time of Adam till now. And people experienced turning to who God was in reality in the description that I have made of his love and experienced being born again from the time of Adam till now and entered into knowing God. A remnant always did that, as is the case now. And it is out of our love for who God is instead of a warped perception of God like Cain developed because he became unthankful and focused on all the suffering and developed a distorted, idolatrous perception of God a monotheistic God, and you can look up David Roll on the internet, a renowned archaeologist that claims not to be a Christian, but he sure has verified all kinds of things in the Bible, including the first city that was built after the flood. I mean, significant city. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right. It might be something like Erudu, and then it was Nineveh after that. But they had already developed after, I don't know if it was 500 years or so, people that had this distorted perception of God like Cain, which had a city in the pre-flood world also that was no doubt an idolatrous form of monotheism, a wrong perception of the one true God. And so you have this moon god that exists in the time of Abraham in the city of Nineveh and that existed through Nimrod in that first city in, in Nineveh that requires Appeasement, like Cain and they perceive him as some great dictator not seeing that God is good and that his judgments are good and just and that he's merciful and he can forgive. Why wouldn't we respect the voice of God? He keeps on saying you haven't obeyed my voice. If we don't obey someone's voice we're not respecting who they are. If we really respected them we would love them for who they are and would obey their voice. Covenant is always based upon the attraction of beauty. This is made clear in the word of God. King David and Jonathan didn't make a covenant until they saw the beauty of God in each other and were so attracted by that because David saw the boldness of Jonathan and the fearlessness of him to lay down his life unto Yahweh in those battles. And likewise, Jonathan saw that in David. As they did these valiant things, they saw the beauty of God in one another that prevailed in those times of warfare and trial and so they made a covenant and Jonathan gave him his weapons and his clothes and so on not out of a natural love but a spiritual love for the image of God that was in David that was being conformed there in him and shining forth and likewise in Jonathan it says in Zechariah that he would break his covenant with Israel and it's in the form of two sticks the first one is a stick called Beauty that is broken because it's the beauty that causes us to make the, co- the covenant. If we don't see that God is beautiful for, and is the very source of love and of all beauty, we have become those that have lost sight of who God is. Now, I want to go back here and point out also the m- passages that I received from um, yesterday. Yesterday, and what is in those passages. This is about the last days when the Antichrist comes to power. And it says here in Daniel 11, 31, An arm shall stand in his part, and they shall pollute the sanctuary of strength, and shall take away the daily sacrifice, yes, has the temple that will be soon rebuilt in Israel. And they shall place the abomination that maketh desolate, And such as do wickedly against the covenant shall be corrupt by flatteries. But the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. It's a matter of knowing God. Not with your head, but with your heart. A deep turning from the heart. A reciprocative heart relationship that spends much time in prayer reciprocating with God, who he is, and, and having fellowship and seeking him. And they that understand among the people shall instruct many, yet they shall fall by the sword, and by flame, by captivity, and by spoil many days. Now when they shall fall, they shall be helpen with a little help, but many shall cleave to them with flatteries. And some of them of understanding shall fall to try them, and to purge, and to make them white, even to the time of the end because it is yet for a time appointed. So this is a time when the Antichrist has taken power and these are godly people that are being put through something like I guess maybe experiencing what Peter experienced in the trial where they fall. but they come to a place of all the more greater repentance and commitment to God. And then it goes on and it describes the Antichrist here and what will happen and his destruction in Daniel 11 and I don't need to go and describe all of that for time but we know that in the end what happens to the Antichrist is this it says but tidings out of the east and out of the north shall trouble him therefore he will go forth with great fury to destroy and utterly to you know it says make away many or take away in other words annihilate many And he shall plant his tabernacle of his palace between the seas in the glorious holy mountain. Yet he shall come to his end, and none shall help him. Yeah. He will surely come to his end. And the other passage that goes along with this is in 2 Timothy 4. And here we read this. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned onto fables. And believe me, if there's ever a time when we've been seeing this, we got this teaching of evolution, which is complete pseudoscience and can be exposed as totally false by the evidence of genuine science. It's a total lie. It's pathetic. The evidence against this Blinken theory of evolution is overwhelming. And yet people buy into this pseudoscience fable. It's so sad. But watch thou in all things, it says in verse 5. In afflictions do the work of an evangelist make full proof of thy ministry. For I am now ready to be offered and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord the righteous judge shall give me at that day and not to me only but unto all them that love his appearing. Brothers and sisters, we are living in a time when we see great corruption and God is about to judge this corruption in high places which looks like it's going to have domination over the whole world through these COVID mandates and the ones that they are planning to come out, the monkey virus that they already pre-planned and so on. You can see all the evidence for this by just going to my website at loverealize.com where I have links to news sources on the homepage there where you'll learn all about all of the lies that are going on. At my first answer, Paul says further on here, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. I pray God that it may not be laid to their charge. Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me, that by me the preaching might be fully known, and that all the Gentiles might hear. And I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion, so they were going to throw him to the lions. And God delivered him because he wanted to still use him to reach more people. And the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work, and will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom, to whom be glory forever and ever. Now we do know that many Christians were thrown to the lions. And that when the time comes, they knew that they couldn't trust in their own strength to overcome such a trial. But they turned to the Lord and were bold to face that. Knowing that God would give them an abundant entrance into the kingdom of God. They were willing to pay that price. We sung the song, Will You Be an Overcomer? Christ is calling. Christ is calling. Will you put aside those things that would attach to your garments, that are the things that, of death that would cause your garments to be stained? Yes, we will shun all of the fear of man, which would imbue the fear of death upon us and take away our power and authority to face death itself in victory without fear saying I will not deny my Lord I will boldly confess him and pay the price he calls me to pay out of a true love in my heart for him for it says in the word of God if I give my body to be burned and have not love it profiteth me nothing it is out of our love for God and his love for us that he first loved us that we can gladly lay down our lives if he so calls us to be a martyr in that way he's the potter we're the clay and we arm ourselves with a mind to suffer and to endure hardness and to be bold and courageous like soldiers when they have to face a battle I know it was my someone on my dad's side that had to go through a number of bayonet battle, hand to hand bayonet battles and he survived but you know those are times when you need to know that your life's on the line, that you're willing to pay the price. You're resigned to it because you see the joy that is set before you. What does it say of Christ who, For the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Each day we are to take up our cross and follow him for the joy that is set before us, knowing that his grace is sufficient to bring us through every trial into greater conformity to his image. So if we face persecution and torture, we can tell our torturers, you're just a ticket to send me to heaven. And the more you torture me, the more I am conformed to the glory of God. So either way, I win and you lose. And God can also deliver me from you if he so chooses. Not all of us are going to do face that. Some of us will... Even great men of God have been taken by car accident. Look at Dave Wilkerson, a great and wonderful man of God. That's the way God ordained for him to go. I know when writing my book on life after death, that whatever way we go into glory, it is, it has been foreknown, and it is perfectly what God planned that it should be. It doesn't look like that on this side, but when you go to the other side, God will help you to see But that is the case. Brothers and sisters, we can be fearless. We can be bold as lions. And we can be like Elijah. And execute his authority that will bring down corruption in high places. Like Ahab and Jezebel. And he anointed Jehu. And he's probably going to anoint Trump again to overthrow this corruption. And if he didn't choose Trump, he would choose someone else that would would take his place but let's pray that the prophecy of Kim Clement comes true that Trump gets in soon and not by November but far earlier let's pray that there's soon a deliverance in the land but it requires us as the body of Christ to come to a place where we really truly repent of loving the things of the world that are desensitizing us to one another causing us to be demonic Divided, to be denominative. God call us to be who He's called us to be. I've written a book called Godheadship and Body Invasion, and in this book, which is two hundred some odd, almost three hundred, well, two hundred some odd pages, over two hundred and fifty pages, I believe. Well, you can get it in electronic form. It's called Godheadship and Body Invasion by David Thompson. It has in it everything that you should do in your local assembly to not limit the fullness of the headship of Christ. This is what the church needs to do. Never go back to being the church the way you were. Become, enter into the new order of allowing Christ to fully inhabit your assembly. And that's what this book is about. It's got many suggestions that are just suggestions. In order for you As a body to enter into such a powerful presence of God in your assembly that it breaks the darkness over your community and causes people to flee into your church even without you going out. That's what happened in the Welsh Revival. Not that you don't go out and share, you do. So God bless you all. Thank you for listening to this message.